Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. This is Wall Builders Live, where we talk about the day's hottest topics on policy and faith and the culture, always from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. And today we're in the middle of a special series for Thanksgiving. It's actually the conclusion of a three-part series. So if you missed the first two, they're available at our website right now at wallbuilderslive.com. But if you've been listening, you'll know exactly where we are. And even if you hadn't, you'll enjoy this third part. We're going to dive right back in with David and Tim Barton and our Thanksgiving special. And if you want to get a link to the actual video of this special series, be sure and visit wallbuilderslive.com. We'll have links for you there today. Pick it up right where we left off yesterday. Here's David and Tim Barton. We often hear about the terrible relations between the Anglos and the Indians, but the pilgrims are totally different. The pilgrims, and, and I would argue like largely because they're Christian faith, right? right because right. it was the morals that drove them right. to do what they did. But but because of that, they respected humanity, right? you know, individuals. And, and, and so the pilgrims were just so good on issues, mm-hmm. whether it be the civil rights and the race relations, but especially you look the Indians, it's yeah. pretty awesome. So speaking of their faith, yeah. so I, I know they would do sometimes prayer meetings or Bible studies. Would that happen in this house yeah. too? So yeah, this is where the first prayer meeting in, in America started. This is where um, the pilgrims gathered together and prayed for us today here in America. For the future generation. Future gener- I mean, really, it really is amazing looking at the faith of the pilgrims, which today so few Americans understand. I mean, you know, we kind of talk about like the first Thanksgiving, and but now people are thinking, well, they thank the Indians. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, they, they probably were grateful to the Indians for helping them, sure. but they were, they were so religious and God conscious. But it's awesome, like this is where so much of Christianity in America was birthed. It's incredible that we stand on their prayers today and live in freedom. And it's unfortunate, like you said, we take it for granted sometimes. And uh, ultimately, you know, the the history is being lost. And that's why I'm so grateful for guys like you and your father that are trying to preserve that remnant of the history here. Well, so speaking of the history has been kind of forgotten. They also were really good on, on electing leaders. And, and really, that's kind of one of the things they did well is, is separating their government leaders and their church leaders. Yeah. But, but they had elections fairly off, like every year, right? They had elections. We're all familiar with elections. Yeah, this is where the first election would have been held right here behind us. And um, so this is the government building. This is the church, <laughs> church building, everything. Yeah. So they've signed in peace treaties here. Yeah. So this is the place where it all started yes, this when is, it comes this to pilgrim history. This is it right here. Massasoit is the gentleman that signed the peace treaty with the Indians. Massasoit is the chief of the Wampanoag. And he was our friend. Without him signing it, we wouldn't have survived. But three years into that peace treaty, Massasoit was at a camp in Rhode Island. The man had the plague. He was dying. A gentleman from Plymouth by the name of Edward Winslow put some herbs together, and Ed Winslow walked to Rhode Island to nurse Massasoit back to health. That's a long walk from here. 40 miles. Wow. Halfway there, he was met on a path by an Indian who told him not to bother finishing the trip. Massasoit died. He finished the trip anyway and discovered Massasoit had not yet died. He was very close. And Ed Winslow nursed him back to health. Wow. From that day forward, they were great friends, and that peace treaty was even stronger. I bet it was. Now we'll move ahead 50 years. 50 years later, we had the King Philip War. King Philip was not a European. He was Massasoit's son. His Christian name was Philip. He went to negotiate not to go to war with the then-governor of Plymouth. Josiah Winslow, Edward Winslow's son. While they're negotiating, Philip says to Winslow, he says, hey, I'm a chief, you're just a governor. I'm not gonna talk to you, I'll only talk to kings. They broke off the negotiations and went to war. 
Wow. From that day forward, Philip was referred to as King Philip because he would only talk to kings. And the two men who became great friends, their two sons went to war wow. a generation later. We didn't pass that biblical education to that generation, and it skipped. What was the result? The largest percentage of population was killed in the King Philip War than any war in our country's history. And it could have been stopped. That's how important Christian education is. Yeah. Without passing it from generation to generation, we've got problems. Yeah. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. The Second Amendment to the Constitution, which guarantees to every individual the right to keep and bear arms, has been targeted for years now by those who are determined to dismantle the individual right to self-protection. Opponents argue that only the militia, the military, and law enforcement are to have and use firearms. But those who wrote the Second Amendment strenuously disagreed, including Founding Father Richard Henry Lee, a signer of the Declaration, a president of the Continental Congress, and one of those who actually framed the Second Amendment? He declared, to preserve liberty, it is essential that the whole body of the people always possess arms and be taught alike, especially when young, how to use them. For more information about Richard Henry Lee and the history of the Second Amendment, go to wallbuilders.com. So right over here beside me, this is Leiden Street. And this behind me is the Leiden Street house. And in the front yard where I'm standing right now is where they held the very first Thanksgiving with the pilgrims. When we celebrate Thanksgiving today, it goes back to what happened right here. Now I'm not 100 feet from the edge of the shore there. So we're right on the edge of the harbor. And that first Thanksgiving, actually, we celebrate it as a national holiday, which is great, we should. But this really wasn't the first Thanksgiving in America. I mean, we had one in Palo Giro Canyon in Texas back in the 1540s. In the 1560s, we had one over in Florida. In 1607, we had Cape Henry, Virginia. 1619, we had one at Berkeley Plantation, Virginia. So how come we choose this one if it's not the first? Because this one is the first one that looks like what we celebrate today. The others were times of prayer. We thank God that we got across the ocean safely or we're here to dedicate this land or whatever. This one, there were 51 pilgrims with 90 Wampanoag Indian Braves, and not only did they eat together, they also had athletic competition together. So three days of feasting, three, they, they had wrestling, and they had running matches, and they had shooting matches, and they had lots and lots of food, and they had lots of thanking God as well. So when you look at this, this Thanksgiving has, okay, we have a time to thank God, we have a time to sit down and eat and enjoy our friends, we have athletic competition, which is kind of what we do with Thanksgiving today. We watch football games and some sporting events, or we have all of this food that we bring together the whole family. That's why we go to this Thanksgiving here. What happened right here is what's at the national precedent. And while we've had periodic Thanksgivings across American history, it was Abraham Lincoln who really got it established as the last Thursday in November. So when we think about our Thanksgiving holiday, it was in this yard right here in front of this house that we had that famous Thanksgiving.
So Chief Massasoit, wasn't he the chief on the first Thanksgiving who was there with all the Braves? Yes, because Massasoit was so instrumental in their survival. They thought, well, you know, we should invite Massasoit and his immediate family to the celebration, and they did. Now, keep in mind, when we came here, why are we so close with the Indians? Because the Pilgrims, being a product of the Reformation and starting to read the Bible, uh, came across a few things they couldn't deny. For example, John Roberts was reading the Bible, and he came across a little passage called the Dominion Charter. We're to take dominion over the earth, over the animals, fish, birds, things that creep and crawl, but he also read this, not each other. See, he read, we're all made in the image of God. Right. Well, his thinking was, if we're all made in the image of God, that no human being has a right to be above another human being without their consent. Self-rule is a biblical principle. Yeah. You cannot have a civil government self-rule without biblical law. So what did we just do? How can we come here and everybody's equal in the sight of God and leave out the Indians? Yeah. They're just as equal as we are. And that's where we started having that respect. That's where we started signing the Feast Treaty. And that's where everybody was equal under the law. Well, Leo, it does make me wonder as we study the pilgrims, and even if you read Governor Bradford's writings, you can't escape the fact that they were people of faith. And yet today, people try to tell the story of the pilgrims without faith, without God. How can you come to the place where you see the pilgrims without faith? It's simple. You revise the story. I'm just telling you a true story. I'm telling you the facts. Yeah. You don't have to agree with them or, or, or be a Christian. You don't have to. But I'm just telling you why they did what they did. And they did it because of their faith. And the pilgrims came looking for a place to raise a family with civil freedom and religious freedom, of course. And certainly as we study history, there's really no way to understand the pilgrims without understanding the motivations because of their faith. Exactly. Leo, thank you so much for taking time to, to share these stories. This is history that, that most people just don't hear and nobody tells it better than you do. So we appreciate you taking time to do this. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. There is so much more to America. And this is why we're digging in to America's hidden history. And looking at the pilgrims and Thanksgiving, we're in the Howland House. Now, as you look at the 102 folks that came over on the Mayfire, the Pilgrims, one of them was a young man named John Howland. John Howland was an indentured servant to Governor Carver. And now, indentured servant basically meant that Governor Carver is going to pay for your way over, but you're going to have to give him some time to pay off what you did. So it doesn't necessarily cost you up front, but you're going to have to give time to him. So John Howland comes over. Also on the voyage among the 102 was the Tilly family. And the Tilly family had a young daughter, Elizabeth. She was 13 years old. Well, after they get here, the Tillys, Elizabeth survives, and John Howland survives the first winter, but Governor Carver doesn't survive the first winter. But now, three years after they've been here, John Howland and Elizabeth Tilly get married. And from that marriage, they have 10 children. And the eighth of their 10 children is Jabez. And this is the home in which Jabez lived. He bought this in 1670. So he's a, he's a son of, of one of the pilgrim couples. And this is the home in which it's really believed that, that John Howland actually died in this home. But John Howland himself is an interesting story. As they were coming over on the voyage, they were in a ship and they had some, some rough weather. I mean, they had 
adverse weather coming across several occasions. But on this particular occasion, there were the 102 pilgrims down under the, in the hold. It's because bad weather up top. There's 30 guys in the crew. So essentially, you've got most people under deck. And John, for whatever reason, decides he needs a little fresh air. So he comes up on deck in the storm that's raging and gets washed overboard, gets knocked off the ship. Now, a ship like that, it's not like you got lifeboats you're going to throw out and go after them. You're going to stop in the middle of the water and turn around. You, you don't do that. So they would have actually ropes that they left trailing off behind the ship in case somebody fell over. If you catch the rope, fine, maybe you live. If you don't, you're gone. He got one of those ropes and he got drug around for a while and was submerged in, in, in and out according to the counts. And, and so they finally get him back on deck, which saves his life. He comes here and he has the family. But had he lost his life, now this is the value of one life. There's tens of thousands of people that would not exist at all in history. I mean, of all the pilgrim families, the two families that have the most descendants are the Howland family and the Alden family. So there's thousands and thousands that would not have lived had it not been the fact that John Howland was able to get back on board, his life was saved. And by the way, among the descendants that would not be here is Nathaniel Gorham, who's a founding father. He's a signer of the Constitution. He's a leader here in Massachusetts. He's the head of the Continental Congress. You also have three presidents. President Franklin Roosevelt is a descendant of John Howland, as is President George H.W. Bush, as is President George W. Bush. So imagine the difference in the entire nation from the founding fathers through modern times had John Howland not lived. So that's the significance even of one life. It's just a, another good reminder that there are real people involved in these stories. We hear about the stories, but seeing people like John Hallen makes history come alive. Hey guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have at Wall Builders called The American Story. For so many years, people have asked us to do a history book to help tell more of the story that's just not known or not told today. And we would say very providentially in the midst of all of the new attacks coming out against America, whether it be from things like the 1619 Project that say America is evil and everything in America was built off slavery, which is certainly not true, or things like even the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization itself, not, not the statement Black Lives Matter, but the organization that that says we're against everything that America was built on and this is part of the Marxist ideology. There's so many things attacking America. Well, is America worth defending? What is a true story of America? We actually have written and told that story, starting with Christopher Columbus, going roughly through Abraham Lincoln. We tell the story of America, not as the story of a perfect nation or a perfect people, but the story of how God used these imperfect people and did great things through this nation. It's a story you wanna check out. Wallbuilders.com, the American story. So behind us is a monument, in fact, the largest granite monument in the U.S. for a single piece of granite. It actually is a monument to the pilgrims. It's called the Forefathers Monument or the National Monument to the Forefathers. And it really was to honor the pilgrims. And this is something that they started this back on the 200th anniversary of the pilgrims landing in Plymouth Rock. So that generation said, these guys are so important to us. We want to do something to honor them, to remember them, to recognize them. And so they, they started making plans for this back in 1820. It was dedicated in 1889. 
but 81 feet high. I mean, what a, what a memorial for the pilgrims. And, and on this, really, the idea was to kind of give a people a picture of who the pilgrims were. Everything about the pilgrims' life was motivated by their faith. There, there's no doubt about it, which is why in the center of this monument, the tallest image you see is actually dedicated to faith. And you see the finger pointed up to God, a Bible in her hand, and actually the Bible's even open at the Geneva Bible. And the Bible is open, the pages look a little worn because it was signifying they actually used the Bible a lot in what they did. And then from their faith, there were other things that they established, really, again, revealing a lot of who they were. And, and so right below faith on our side is morality. Because certainly one of the things we learn from faith about loving God is also loving people and the way we treat people. And the pilgrims have a pretty good history of the way they treated people. In fact, even one of their legacies is relations with the Indians, which nobody had a better relationship with the Indians in arguably American history than the pilgrims. Yeah, the pilgrims have the longest lasting treaty in American history between Anglos and Native Americans. It was not the pilgrims who ended the treaty. It was actually the Native Americans. So their relationship was good. And part of that was even though the king sent them over with what was called a patent, the king essentially said, I own all of that land over there. You guys can use my land. They got here and said, no, actually, the, the Indians own the land. And so they actually purchased the land they lived on from the Indians at the price set by the Indians. And that wasn't always normal relations from Anglos to Indians. So this really was special because there's a lot of places in history you can look, and that's not the way the relationships worked between the Anglos and Indians. The pilgrims were a very different people, but their morality was very much shaped by their faith. That's and right. then also in addition to morality, you have education. And education certainly is something they believe the importance of their kids being able to read so that they would be able to read the Bible and know what actually was biblically true and what they should do. Yeah, Governor William Bradford actually pushed education for all the people. You see, remember, that was the deal with the Reformation. Everyone needs to read the Bible. And they believed that if you read the Bible, then your behavior would be moral, you would do the right things, and also your policies would be right. They believed that so much of the tyranny that existed, both civil and religious tyranny, came because people did not know the Bible. The kings and queens sure didn't know it. They said they were in charge of it. They weren't living by it. And so they believed that knowing the Bible would give you good civil government. And it's interesting that it's here in Massachusetts that the first public school laws ever passed. It's passed in 1647. It's called the Old Deluder Satan Law. It's called that because they said, you know, Satan wants to keep people from knowing the scriptures. And when you do that, it's when you get atrocities. If you know the scriptures, you won't have the civil atrocities. So education was huge to these guys. One of the other four sides of the monument is actually dedicated to law because one of the things also the pilgrims were very good at was, was making laws that respected the rights of individuals, but also even, even their notion of due process. So, so they believed in law, but they didn't believe in a tyrannical enforcement of law. They believed in the rights of the individuals. And so even the way they did trials or court cases was different than everywhere else in the world. Yeah, their whole concept of law was very different because, uh, I mean, they came and they gave you a written document right at the start, the Mayflower Compact. Do you know, to this day, the British people do not have a constitution. There is not an overall governing document. Why would they do a governing document? Because God gave his people written laws. And when everyone has a written law, then you know what to live by and both the rulers and the ruled, everybody has the same standard. So they were big in the laws, their code of laws they did within just a few years of being here. They had civil penalties. You, you had things for, for burglary or murder or whatever, but they quoted the Bible as why it was wrong. And so their written code of laws, everyone knew what the code was. Everyone knew what was expected of them. It brought peace and stability. 
this was one of the lowest crime areas in the entire country. But then again, when you have faith and from that you teach morality and then you educate on what the Bible says and then you conduct criminal justice according to the Bible, you have a very peaceful, very stable society. And so the fourth image on the bottom of this is actually for liberty. And so one of the things that very much we, we, we believe in the idea of freedom. In fact, in the Bible, it says that, that Christ has set us free, right? It was for freedom that Christ set us free. So the idea of liberty was very strong for the pilgrims. But the reason they were able to promote liberty is because they had internal restraints. That's right. Right. Freedom only works if there's an internal restraint, which comes through morality, which ultimately comes through faith and certainly education and law. It all kind of comes together. And so this statue done to honor the pilgrims the largest one in America made out of granite, right? This is a big deal. Most Americans aren't familiar with it or even what it represents for the character and the legacy of the pilgrims. Mm. But this is something that certainly when we study the history of the pilgrims, their character is, is the epitome of what we would want Americans to have and follow. And their legacy certainly left a foundation for much of what we even still do in America today. Yeah, so much of what they did came because they knew the Bible. And if you don't know the Bible, you're not gonna have the right morality. Your laws will be oppressive rather than freedom-loving. You won't have the same liberty because you'll have an oppressive government. And that's what they came from. And it was their knowledge of the Bible that made all of this possible. It's their knowledge of the Bible that they got them away from socialism and got them into what we call the free market economy. It was their knowledge of the Bible that gave private property protection, not only for them, but also for the Native Americans. It was their knowledge of the Bible that caused them to recognize civil rights. I mean, these guys opposed slavery because they recognized the Bible's teachings on equality. God doesn't recognize races, all men. He's created all men. And they recognize that. And so their, their knowledge of the Bible is what brought such revolutionary changes to their world at that time. And this place over here became an example for all the nations. In fact, William Bradford talked about how that what they did here was just one little light. But that one little light shone all over the world. And this monument was to help Americans remember who the pilgrims were, what really it was all about, but also the principles that were the foundation upon which this nation was built. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. Alexis de Tocqueville, a political official from France, traveled to the United States in 1831 and penned his observations in the now famous book, Democracy in America. Being from France, what he found in America was completely unexpected to him. He reported, upon my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. And the longer I stayed there, the more I perceived the great political consequences resulting from this. In France, I had almost always seen the spirit of religion and the spirit of freedom marching in opposite directions. But in America, I found that they were intimately united and that they reigned in common over the same country. De Tocqueville recognized that it was biblical Christianity and the morals it produced that made America great. For more information about Alexis de Tocqueville and the positive influence of Christianity in early America, go to wallbuilders.com. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website. 
at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. So as we look back over what we've seen, we see that the pilgrims really sacrificed a lot. Not only what they went through in England and then going to Holland, but then getting from Holland to America, the agreement they had to make to get here, they had to give up so much, but they were willing to do that to preserve their religious freedom, to have the opportunity to raise their children in that culture. We've also seen that they had great relationships with the Wampanoags, just the Indian tribe and the pilgrims, the longest lasting treaty in American history. It was a blessing to both of them, the relationship they had. We've also seen that there's a lot of things that we enjoy today that really got started back at the time of the pilgrims. I mean, they come here and they give us a, a written governing document, and they give us written laws, and, and they also had elections for their church leaders separate from their state leaders. They really did church and state the right way, good beneficial influence, but you finally don't have a state established religion where the government's telling the church what it has to do. And then you look at what they did with free enterprise and business and, and the first really privately owned business where it's not owned by the king. And you look what they did with the concept of private property and purchasing property. Even though they had a, a deed from the king, they still purchased property. Just so much wholesome stuff that the pilgrims did that have been really good for the rest of us and, and that we enjoy their legacy today. This is part of America's hidden history. And if you wanna know more about America's hidden history, you can go to our website, wallbuilders.com. Uh, you can get the Wall Builders app. We've got lots of social media platforms that you can check into, YouTube channels, et cetera. You can get a lot more information. But we encourage you to stay tuned to TBN for more episodes of America's Hidden History. Well, friends, that is the conclusion of our Thanksgiving special this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure and go to wallbuilderslive.com today, and you can get all three parts. If you just happen to tune in in the middle of the program today, it's a fantastic three-part series. You can go to those links at wallbuilderslive.com to watch the actual video of this special, but the audio is also available at wallbuilderslive.com. Be sure and sit down with your family and actually list out those things you're thankful for, certainly the nation that we live in and the opportunity to be free and even to gather this weekend as a family and celebrate all these wonderful blessings that we have. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Wallbuilders Live. We stand undivided.